Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. Really uh, glad that you're able to join us today. Uh, it's been an interesting week, or well, it's been a very hot week, hasn't it? I hope you've been able to get out a little bit, uh, not to Bournemouth Beach, where everyone seems to have gone. Um, but as we're able to go out a little bit more, hopefully you're connecting up with people, because it's really important to connect up. Uh, unfortunately, we're still not able to connect up as a church. Uh, I know the government says that, that they're lifting restrictions a wee bit and groups of 30 people can meet in church. Um, it's a good start, but our church is way bigger than that, and I don't think any of our groups are, are that small. Um, we are keeping an eye on that. As it develops, we'll let you know uh, as things change. We're keen to meet together again, but we want to do it right. Um, so just keep watching this space, and we'll let you know as things change. Uh, one thing that is changing uh, this week is that we say goodbye to Hannah Merham. Um, Hannah has been part of our church for uh, many, many years. She first connected with our church at Boomerang Holiday Club um, just as a little one, and she grew up, and along that journey, she came to faith and then went to our, our kids' work and our youth work. And uh, for the last couple of years, she's been serving as our youth intern and overseeing our youth work. And she is now moving on to work um, in Cardiff, a church there, being full-time youth worker. I mean, we are so excited um, that, that, she, that she has this opportunity to use her skills and to grow. We're also quite sad that we're, we're losing her. Uh, we were saying, we wanted to say goodbye as a church. We've given her a gift and we've got a little recording of us giving that, that thank you gift uh, to Hannah a couple of days ago. So watch this clip. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. It's been absolutely um, awesome having you part of the team and leading our youth work over the last couple of years. This is the most formal video I've ever done. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to miss you. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. You've, you've been incredible with all the youth and with the leaders and stuff. So we hope uh, you have a great time in Cardiff. We hope that um, God literally blesses you and um, we'll be praying for you. And if you ever need us, you can give us a shout in the chat. Always. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Present all cards. Uh, cards. Okay. Do I have any other words? Or... No. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Heaps. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. 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 But we want to just say on behalf of, of this church to say thank you, Hannah. And we pray for God's blessing on you. And we pray that God will use you in incredible ways. Uh, we are presently putting together a job description and uh, we're looking for someone to take over the work that Hannah has done. I encourage you, church, to pray. Youth and children are so important in our church and we invest a lot into that. Uh, and we want to know that right step forward so we can continue to grow and continue to have lives uh, that are touched by the love of Jesus. So please uh, pray with us as we continue to journey with that. You'll know as a church, we, we do things with young people and with children and with families and with the Help Hub. Uh, we also look further abroad. I mean, further abroad than even Wales. Uh, we, we Around the world, we connect. And uh, Bev Ashton is given a, a, a video just to say something that they are doing right now. So, so watch this. Hello, Waypoint. My name's Bev Ashton and I'm one of a team of six people from this church who should currently be in Uganda. But as you can see, due to lockdown, we're still here. So instead, as a team, we've decided to take on the rice and beans challenge. For the next 12 days when we would have been in Uganda, we're planning to eat porridge for breakfast and rice and beans for both lunch and dinner every day for those 12 days. 
We will then donate the money that we've saved on our normal food to an appeal that Rock Projects have set up to buy emergency food parcels for people in their local community who are struggling with starvation due to the lockdown situation. I guess it's very similar to what Claire and the Hub team are doing, providing food parcels in our local community. So could you support us as we take on this challenge? Please, can you pray for us and encourage us? It's going to be tough doing this for 12 days, but with your encouragement and your prayers, I'm sure we can make it through. Can I also challenge you to consider supporting us in some other ways? Firstly, why don't you consider joining us for just one day? Why don't you and your household give up what you would normally eat and have the porridge, rice and beans with us? Then donate what you've saved to the appeal. Or secondly, why not consider sponsoring us? It costs £12 to buy one of these emergency food parcels to feed a family of five for two weeks. Could you sponsor us £12 as we do this over the next 12 days? And finally, could you pray with us for those people in Uganda and other parts of the world who are struggling with starvation and hunger due to the lockdown situation? We will put updates every day onto the Waypoint Mission Facebook page so you can follow our progress as we take on this challenge. Every day we'll include a different prayer point so that you can pray with us. And of course, there'll be a link so that you can donate to the appeal. Thanks Waypoint Church for all your encouragement and support as we take on the Rice and Beans Challenge. It's so right to uh, to have a vision that's wider than just our, our own person, our own family and our own locality. God is a God who loves the world and we as a church uh, are committed and need to keep being committed to walk and stand with people around the world to demonstrate God's love in practical ways. Can I encourage you to keep informed on the uh, Waypoint Facebook page, mission Facebook page to tell you what how they're getting along with this uh, bean and rice challenge. Uh, and let's be a people who pray and who support and make a difference, big or small. Every little bit makes a difference. So let's keep engaged. Uh, I want to pray. I'm going to pray for uh, I want to pray for Hannah, pray for the, the rice and beans challenges as they, they take a stand to help our bigger world to to bring our world to God. And then we'll be praying for us as we then step into some worship and to un pick God's word a little bit more. So let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you that, that you are a God whose love remains the same, that you are a God who's consistent, consistent, the same yesterday, today and forever. I thank you, God, that you care for the small things and the big things. I thank you that you care for people around this world. And Father, I want to just to pray. Pray for uh, just those today who are waking up with hunger in their bellies. We're just that lack of hope and thinking, I don't know how tomorrow's going to unfold. Maybe I don't know how today's going to unfold. Father, we want to uh, be a people who pray. We want to be people who stand and take action as well. Father, I thank you for the team that, that are, are doing this uh, bean and rice challenge. Father, I thank you for other challenges that are being responded to, that how we can practically show love for abroad and locally. Father, also just pray for Hannah. Thank you for her and pray for your blessing on her. Uh, as she goes uh, and in obedience to you and seeks to serve your, your kingdom and see your church grow. I thank you, God, that you are such a, a huge God and not a God of limitations. Father, I want to pray for right now. Father, as we, we worship and as we dig into your word a wee bit, Father, I pray that we might have hearts that, that are open to you, that you are a, a huge God who does amazing things, but you're also a personal God. And I pray that we may just set our hearts right before you to open up to your direction and your correction and your encouragement. 
and that we may hear from you. And also, God, that you will hear from us, that heart that says, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. So, Father, just be with us, I pray. Amen. If you are part of our wider church, you would have received our, our weekly email, which gives a link uh, to this talk, but also a link to different uh, worship playlists. Worship is so important. It's not just about singing songs. Uh, it's interesting with the government saying you can gather together, but you're not allowed to sing together. We don't just sing, we worship together. It's so important to worship. I encourage you to follow that playlist or, or use something else. Use a, a CD or something that you uh, find, something just to help you to, to get lost in wonder of worship of our God, to lift our voices in praise. I encourage you to do that either now, pause the video and do that, or at the end of our time together. But make sure worship is a regular rhythm of who we are and what we do. Now, Bev's going to bring us our reading for today. Our reading for today is from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. I wonder if you've ever felt trapped. Now, I'm guessing for the last couple of months with the COVID lockdown and we're not allowed to leave homes and do this, there, there is a measure of feeling trapped. Now, we know that's going to lift one day, month, year. It will lift. We know it will lift. But have you ever felt that feeling in yourself where you're going, I just feel uncomfortably trapped and I'm not sure how I'm going to get out of this. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my family were in Cardiff and we were, uh, the, the girls wanted to go shopping, which is not my favourite pastime. And uh, I said, look, can let me just sit on a bench outside the, the, stop, the shop. You can go in and, and look at clothes and I'll just sit here. I had an audio book and I've just sat there watching people. And, and as, I was, as I sat there, uh, I, I noticed this um, two ladies were, were walking uh, along and they, they suddenly stopped. They're chatting and, and carried on chatting, but stopped in front of me. And then they turned around and then they, they started reversing to, to fill the gap next to me. 
Now, even before social distancing became sort of a rule, you know, there's, there's sort of an etiquette with, with benches. I mean, you don't snuggle up with people you don't know. Um, but this lady, um, I guess she didn't think she was snuggling up, but it was very clear that, that her need and the space available didn't really match. But it didn't stop her. She just kept reversing in and just sat right down, no pause in action or in conversation. And she almost basically sat on my lap pretty much. And I sort of, I thought, okay, they're obviously very close and cuddly in Cardiff, I guess. So I, I scooted a little bit to my left and I thought oh, that was a bit strange. And as I was pondering about the strangeness of and the friendliness of our Welsh friends, is I noticed there was another lady who was reversing and she was aiming for this gap. This gap was smaller, but her need was still larger than the, the available space. And I'm thinking, well, what do I do? But before I could do anything, she sat down as well. And I suddenly found myself squeezed between uh, two, two <laughs> unstoppable forces. And I'm, I'm sat here going uh, like overlap on me. And I'm going, okay, what, what do I do here? You know, I can't even get my phone to call a help for my girls. And, and I'm going, uh, what, what do I do? And they're both chatting away and, and, and as though I didn't even exist. And I'm going, I feel really trapped. I feel very uncomfortable and I have no idea what to do. And as I was sort of panicking and, and going, um, then one of them stood up and, and it really, it's like a pressure valve. And I went, and, and I thought, oh, that was a relief. But it was a really weird experience because I just walked off and I thought that was so strange. Now, now this feeling of trappedness, I know that was a bit of a fun situation. Well, it wasn't fun in the moment, but it's looking back, it was a fun thing. But in our reading today from Two Kings is, is we encounter a, a woman, a widow who was, was really trapped. Her, her husband was um, part of the company of prophets who would be people who follow God, a real God follower. And he died. And we find that she is in incredible debt. We don't know why she was in debt, but what we find is that the, the husband, who was the, the main um, wage earner, he was gone. And she has this debt. And it came to the point that she was at risk of her two sons being um, given in slavery to pay off that debt. Now, back in those days, that's how it happened. And she was devastated, not just for losing her sons and the, the bleak future for her sons, but it was, a, it was a really bleak future for her because her sons would have been how she, she lived. The families take care of their own and they would have grown in there. And the fact that losing her sons would have been a, a bleak, bleak future, not just for her sons, but for herself. And she really felt trapped. She didn't know what to do. How we know that is because when Elisha said, you know, what do you have? She said, look, I have absolutely nothing. I've got a little bit of oil. I've got the spreadsheet out. The truth is what I've got and my debt I have, it just doesn't match. There's no way out of it. The only way is I lose everything, including my future, my livelihood, my kids. I, I am in a desperate, desperate situation. She was well and truly trapped. I just press the pause button for a moment there. Although that, that was thousands of years ago and a different culture, I think that feeling of trappedness can, can be around us. We can feel that. It may be around finances, maybe around the COVID thing. I know folks have, have lost their jobs and, and the normal income has changed. And, and maybe beyond that, maybe it's debt that you're carrying and, and you're actually going, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. The future looks really dark because you're going, I I'm trapped. I I I've done my spreadsheets. I just cannot get out of this. I feel trapped. The future it is just dark before me. Or it may not be finances. It may be with health. It may be a diagnosis or a condition that you are, are wrestling with. And, and you know that the future is, is going to be tough. And maybe there's no hope in the future, medical hope. 
and you're just going, this is too much. I feel trapped. I don't want to be here. I wish things would change, but there's nothing they can do. And I don't know what to do. And you feel trapped or in a relationship or at work where, where you're, you've tried things and you're going, I, I don't know how to get out of here. I, I, I don't, I can't see a different way forward. I'm sure like the widow, I'm sure the widow, she prayed. You know, her, her husband was a Godfather. She would be as well. And I'm sure she prayed and said, God, will you save? God, will you step in? And yet she was in a position where she still felt trapped because the future was not anything that she could see. So she calls in Elijah. Now, Elijah, he was a super heavyweight prophet. He was the apprentice of the of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was the guy who called down fire from heaven. He just changed a nation. And Elisha was his apprentice and, and uh Elisha took a double portion. He asked for a double portion of, of Elijah's blessing. And Elisha did incredible things. If you follow the life of Elisha, he did twice as many miracles are recorded than Elijah did, like a double portion. Just in the chapter before, in 2 Kings chapter 3, uh, there was this massive army and the army was facing death because there was a lack of order. They called Elisha in and in his prayer, at something happened. God stepped in and provided water. So this was a, a super heavyweight prophet who this widow calls out and says, look, can you help me? I'm, I'm trapped. I can't get out of this. And I'm thinking she probably was expecting what many of us expect. We want God to come in, sort it out, and yay, everything's sorted. And you may read these seven verses um, that Bev just read, and you may think, well, that's what happened. Um, it, it's not actually fully what happened. It wasn't just a God step in, click his fingers, everything's sorted. There, there was a process, there was a pathway that Elisha called this woman to go on. And I think it's a really helpful uh, um, picture for us, really helpful steps for us if you're feeling trapped. Three things that Elisha asked this woman to do. The first thing was this, is he said, you need to ask God's people for help. Ask God's people for help. Now you may say, well, she did, she asked Elisha, he's a God's person. But his, what he said is, go and ask the people around you for jars. Get some more jars. Go and practically ask for practical help. Ask for help. Now, the thing is, when it comes to asking for help, many of us um, don't do well at this. Something weird happens in us. Let, let me try to um, give an example or demonstrate this. If you discovered that your neighbor, maybe you have an elderly neighbor, and they're really struggling to get to the shops, and they said, could you help me with this? I reckon all of us will go, of course we can help. And if we can't help, we'll link them up to the harbor. We'll do something. We will do something to help them. But when you flip it around and we need some help, maybe we need some help shopping. We're, we're struggling to get out. We're not sure what to do. Is many of us find asking for help is something that we don't like to do. You know, we, we, we love to help people. But when it comes to asking for help, we're not very good at that whole bunch of reasons, maybe because uh, we, we don't want to be, we don't want to be a bother. It's often the case. We don't want to, we don't want to seem needy. We, we, we think we should be able to cope ourselves. And so we don't ask. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and other places, there's a picture of God, church, the family of God is like a body. How each person has different skills and gifts and places and together when we work together we get the wholeness of what God has planned. I think there's this really clear picture in the New Testament that God wanted us to be part of his family 
and to be part of a body. And yet, despite this picture of this unity and being together, is so often we, we just well, we want to do things by ourselves. Or just my little clump and, and my, my little group of friends. And, and we almost deny the bigger body around us. This widow, I'm sure her neighbours probably knew that she was in, in real dire straits. But what Elisha's first thing he said, he said, I want you to go and ask God's people for help. What happens when we ask for help? Two things happens um, when we ask for help. One is it helps us, the person who feels trapped, it helps us understand that our perspective is not the full perspective. That our perspective, how we see things, is not the full picture. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was a, a washing machine repairman. And he told me once of an embarrassing incident that happened to him. He said, he said his head was in the drum. He was fixing something and he, he'd forgotten to unplug it. And he said his nose touched a live wire in the drum. And he immediately pulled his head back because the electric shock. But it, since he was in a washing machine drum, he then banged his head against the thing behind him. And because he banged his head, he put his head forward, which then put his nose back on the electrical wire again. And he said his head just rattled around in there. What happens with that widow was her head was rattling. I don't have money. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I don't have more money. I don't have money. And she was bouncing back and forth. And I think that's what can happen so easily when we find ourselves in this trapped place. And what asking people for help, it, it widens our perspective. It gives us room. It gives room for more of God in our lives and in our vision and in our understanding. Because God speaks to us as a community and it says, what is God saying? Let's open it up. And, and it, when we ask people, it helps us to take our head out of that washing machine rattling and see there's a bigger picture around us. But I said two things. What, what asking other people also does is it helps remind us that we're not alone. Because I think so often we think it's just me. I'm the only one. And when you ask God's family, you suddenly realize, oh, there's other people here to help. There's other people who can empathize, sympathize. There's other people who can stand with you. They might not be able to solve all your problems, but what they say is you're not alone. There's a bigger picture here, but you're not alone and we can walk with you. Wherever you're feeling trapped right now, be that with finances or with health or relationships or work, I want to encourage you that you are not alone. Besides God Almighty who does care, he says, ask my people reach out for help. We need to ask. I know for some of us that's really hard to ask. But if we want to see more of God, how we get untrapped to give more space for God, the first step we see from this reading is we need to ask God's people for help, which is what the widow did. But there's something else that, that Elijah said to do. Ask God's people for help. But the second thing he said, and basically do what God tells you to do. Uh, Elijah said, I want you to go to the people around and ask for, for many jars or you know, not just a few. Ask for loads of jars. Uh, imagine if she said, oh, I'm I can't ask too many people. You know, I can't ask him for, I'll ask for just a few. Now, if she just asked for a few, how would this story have ended? Uh, a number of years ago, uh, when we're trying to raise money for the, the building project, by the way, we're still trying to raise money because we still need to, to fit it out. But a few years ago, as part of that big push, I, I did a tandem parachute jump. And uh, the, the training was extensive. The training was a ch chap called Dino. He's about six and a half foot. And he said, OK, Mark, here's the training. 
do whatever I say and don't touch anything. And I thought, well, that, that, you know, if you're going to be thrown out of an airplane two and a half miles in the air, those are probably good things to do. Trust the guy who's done it and survived. And if he says, don't touch it, don't touch it. And that's what I did. So we jumped out and, and I'm just, I'm not touching anything. But imagine if I went, I'm bored. What, I wonder what that cake, I wonder what that does. And I wonder what that buckle does. You know, how would that have ended? Spoiler, I survived. I didn't play with it. I didn't fiddle and I survived. And just in case you didn't work that out. How this relates to our story is Elisha said to this lady is you need to go and ask people for lots of jars, many jars. You need to do what God says. There's a verse in James, James chapter one, says don't just be listeners of the word and so deceive yourself. You actually need to do it. I think so often, I think so often we, we hear what God says. We hear an instruction of God to seek first his kingdom, to, to be people who serve and to, to love unconditionally, to apply forgiveness, to be honest. We, we hear, the, we hear the, the instructions of God, but then we, we can get a little bit selective. We don't collect all the jars. We, we fiddle with the, the, the cables. We go, well, I'll, I'll be selective. I'll, I'll, I'll love them, but not them. I'll forgive them, but not them. I'll follow that rule, but not that rule. And along that, that, that path as we do that is what we do, instead of widening our, our lives to encounter more of God, is we, we narrow it down. We, as I said a few moments ago, is we collect less jars. We begin to fiddle with the straps. And, and then what we always, what we tend to do is that then we, we fiddle with the traps, we compromise on what God says to do, and then we get mad at God at the results. You know, I fiddle with this trap. God, why did you let me die from the parachute jump? I know it's not as extreme as that in our everyday lives with following Jesus. But I, I think there's a connection there. That James 1 verse 22. Don't just be hearers of the word and deceive ourselves. Do what God says. There's something really fascinating to, to see in, in this little bit as well. Is that the, the, the size of God's solution was directly proportionate to the amount of faith that she applied. Because if she had only gathered maybe five jars, how many jars of oil would she have? If she gathered 50 jars, how much oil would she have? I think in, in many parts of our, our journey of faith is the, the, the size of God's provision is directly proportional to the size, the amount of faith and the space for God that we apply. It's not a faith prosperity gospel, you know, give God 10 quid and he'll give you 100 back. What it's saying is the more space you give to God is the more that God seems to want to bless. That Back to the widow. Go get, go ask your friends for jars, as many jars, not just a few. When the challenge that you're facing and God says, you know, I want you to do what I say. Because the what you do is directly proportional to how God responds. I wonder how many jars would you have collected? How, would you have gone door to door to door, keep going and going and going until you get a huge amount or going, well, that's a bit embarrassing. I'll do a little bit. I think with our walk with God is when we spend time with God, when we open, when we walk in God's way, when we apply God's truth to every area, I think we open ourselves for more of God and seeing a release of some of that trappedness that we can encounter. So Elijah said to this woman, he said, look, ask God's people for help to do what God has asked to do. And the third thing is this. 
He said, remember that God is the one who saves. Now, he doesn't actually say those words. If you read through the passage again, you won't see those words. But but notice what he says. He said, look, once you ask people, got the jars, he said, close the door behind you and then pour out the oil. I think Elijah wanted this woman to be really clear that the the salvation in this story is going to come from God. It's so right to reach out and do other things. But where do you place your hope? Our hope ultimately is in God. I think your hope was in in Elijah, the super heavyweight prophet. Get this great person to pray for me and everything will be sorted. And, And that wasn't the solution. Actually, go and ask for help. And that was sorted out. And it is part of it, but not, it's not actually the final solution. You know, work hard, be obedient, follow God's way. And that's really important, but that's not where the final solution comes. The final solution comes from God. Close the door and then pour out the oil. My mind jumps to uh, what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 6. So that when you pray, go into your room and close the door. And pray to God who is unseen, because the God who is unseen sees what you pray and will reward you. Often it's when we're by ourselves, when we're feeling trapped, where where darkness can come in, where fear can come in, where worry settles in. And he said it's so important in those places, keep remembering it's God who saves. It's God who brings peace to troubled hearts. It's God who is the place of refuge in times of trouble. And and that's open and with other people around. But in those quiet places, close your door and say, God, but you are the one who saves. That woman poured out oil and it kept going and going until um, all the jars, all of her her faith steps, all of her steps of faith were filled. And then Elijah said, okay, sell it. God will sort it out and live. And, and, and God came in and stepped it and sorted it out. God sorted it out in a way that she wasn't expecting, that, that we probably weren't expecting. But notice it wasn't just God coming in, snapping his finger and fixing things. It was God saying, follow these steps. If you're feeling trapped, follow these steps, which is ask God's people for help. You're not alone. It helps you open up that perspective. Do what God says. As God has instructed specifically or generally, he's saying let's walk in the way of God because the more that we invest is proportionate to what we see from God. And thirdly, remember it's God who saves. In the quietness of your heart, where your hope is found is in God. Make sure that he is the one that you put your eyes of faith on because he is the one who saves. When we do this, when we create space for more of God, I think we see more of God. So if you need to see more of God in that trapped place that you are, this passage gives us some really helpful steps. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are a God who who understands us. You're a God who who knows what that feeling of trappedness is because we see it through scripture. Jesus, when you walk this earth, there are times when on the Garden of Gethsemane, you're saying, I don't want to do this. I feel trapped, but God, I'm trusting in you. I'm giving space for you. Father, I want to pray for people who are watching right now, wherever they're watching, those who are just saying, God, I need help. The future is dark and I don't know how to get out of this. That they may walk those paces. Yes, call out to you, 
but also just walk these ways of truth that we find from this Bible passage. Father, I wanna just proclaim that you are a God who saves. You are a God who brings peace. You are a God who brings breakthrough. You are a God who knows us and loves us. Father, I don't wanna bring a solution and say, bless it, God, I pray that we may come to you and say, God, will you step into us? Father, help us as we walk this path and let us see more of you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I wanna encourage you to, to, to chat with God, to talk with God about these things. If you're feeling trapped, to reach out. If you're watching on our church online platform, you might wanna press the pray for me button and someone can chat and pray for you. If you're watching through another medium, then um, contact us um, as a church and someone would love just to reach out to, to help and to journey with you. Remember, you're not alone. But remember, our hope comes from God, who's mighty to save. Thanks for joining. I pray that you may know God in a deeper and more powerful way today and throughout this week and as you continue to journey with him. Thanks for joining us. Have a good rest of your day.